This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. It's a bit of a change of pace today. I thought I'd talk about the concept of reviews. In my professional life, one of the things I get asked to do regularly is to be an independent voice, if you like, a helicopter, to come in and have a look over a program, a professional team, to see what coaches, athletes, support staff are doing in a professional environment or in an Olympic squad, and then provide feedback on what I believe the individuals and the team as a collective can do to help things improve. And I've learned some things over the years doing reviews in professional football and Olympic sport, and even in the corporate sector. I thought I've never really sat down and shared some of my observations about what I believe works in reviews, what I think doesn't work, and give you some suggestions for maybe how you can adopt a way of reviewing what you do a little more regularly and with more of a commitment to continuous improvement. Now, even the word review, as in looking backwards, I'm reviewing what's happened, quite often has negative connotations. I know many, many times when I've been recruited by a board of directors or by a CEO to do our review, there is some resentment and some resistance from many of the people involved who don't like the idea of an outsider coming in and being critical of what they're doing day to day. Reviews do have a place, there's no doubt. I believe, however, that the the more critical aspect of reviews is to embrace a lifestyle of continuous improvement where you're aiming to get better a little bit every day. If you like, you're constantly reviewing and re-evaluating the effectiveness of what you're doing day to day in your own program. However, very few people have the level of discipline or the foresight to do that on a regular basis. And as a result, I'll often get an email or a phone call from a CEO or a board member or a board chair saying, Wayne, we haven't had a great season and we'd like you to come in and have a look at things and see if there's a way that we can improve it. In a perfect world, colleagues, reviews should be mostly unnecessary. That the coach, the support staff, the management, the athletes should have in place a process where after every game, after every training session, there is a small degree of review going on. And in fact, in most professional sporting teams that I've worked with, there is a daily or even more more frequently twice a day review after training sessions that they're living in an environment where everything is looked at, assessed, evaluated, and more importantly, there's, there's a real commitment to improvement within that day, within the actual training session, within the practice, within that one specific training day. And the teams who really get that and who are honest and committed to that, there is no real need to do an end of season review. But again, having said that, I know for most clients, most people that I work with, the end of season review is almost something they feel they have to do. It's part of their routine. And quite often, there's a lot more behind it than just improving performance. 
One of the things that I'm cautious about as a professional is when I'm invited to do reviews, my first question to the CEO or to the board is why am I here? What are you hoping to find? The reality in many, many situations is that the single biggest impediment to improvement of performance in a sporting organization is internal politics. And very often when I'm asked to come in and do ostensibly a performance review of a team, many times that's around the politics that have operated in the environment and they're seeking the input of someone from the outside to give them political permission to make some sort of a change to the coaching staff, the support staff, the players, the management, or other elements of the organisation. My belief is I need to understand why I'm there and not just turn up and be someone who ticks the review box. The second thing about doing reviews is when I'm asked in, is I try to spend two or three days doing very frantic, intense, highly focused, stressed, completely the opposite to off-season brain. Not to believe the best way to do reviews is to come in and work with people while they're doing what they do. And I'll take a moment or two to explain that. There is in professional sport, and I think in Olympic sport as well, in any high performance environment, people almost have two brains. There's in-season brain and out-of-season brain. Out-of-season brain is quite often logical, intelligent, methodical, systematic, relaxed, and calm. In-season brain is frantic, intense, highly focused, stressed, completely the opposite to off-season brain. Not only that, things happen in the heat of battle, in the stress of competition during a season that are often forgotten or people when they go to their off-season brain will change, most of the time inadvertently, they will change the narration of what they believed happened during the season. And if I can at all arrange it, I suggest strongly to CEOs and to boards, to head coaches, that if you're going to bring me in, bring me in in the middle of the season and again towards the end of the season where I can observe not only what you do, but how you do it. The core component that makes some teams very successful and others not so successful is the quality and consistency of the relationships between the people in the environment. And you only get to see that when you're actually in there during the competition, at training, in meetings, out on the field, in the coaching box, in the change rooms, and there on competition day to see how things work in the heat of battle, to see how things are coming together and how they respond to the stresses and strains of the competitive environment. One of the other core considerations when I'm asked to do reviews is to try and strip away the emotion of the moment and to strip away the emotion of the fan base, to strip away the emotion of the observers and the families and try to get to the bottom line, to try and get to the facts, to try and observe the reality. I have a very simple checklist where I look at everything in the environment. The first two or three days, I'm sitting there very quietly, I'm attending meetings, I'm listening and I'm looking at things like coaching and leadership and the interaction between sports science, sports medicine, and each other in an interdisciplinary team. 
I'm looking at the interaction between the support team, the management and the athletes and the coaches, the relationships between people. I'm interested in the flow, the energy and the emotion around the environment. I sit there and observe. But while I'm doing that, I'm looking methodically at a checklist of every element of that environment. Sometimes I'll use a simple rating scale. Sometimes I'll just take notes. Sometimes I'll do more detailed, more methodical and more scientific measurement. But the aim certainly during a review is to get rid of and bypass those emotions that the people involved are feeling and just look methodically at the facts and the detail. What are we doing that we need to get better? The next question is around, well, what sort of review might you do? One that's been borrowed from management practice is the 360 review, and I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I was working with an elite rugby team. We decided to implement a 360 review. 360 review in their case was the coach, the head coach reviewed himself, his peer coaches reviewed him, the players, particularly the player leadership group, reviewed the performance of the head coach, and the CEO, who was his direct report, reviewed the coach as well. And the concept of a 360 report is just that, getting critiqued and receiving feedback from those that are working directly above you, with you, and who report to you. Now that model is not a bad model in many ways. However, it depends in sport, as it does in management, on the relationships and the personality of the person being reviewed. If, for example, the head coach is dictatorial, autocratic, very hard to get along with, very strong personality, it is unlikely that the players and the assistant coaches will be comfortable in being open and honest and direct with their feedback. And in every successful sporting team that I've ever worked with, honesty is the very cornerstone, it's the very heart of success. If you use a 360 degree format, it requires a level of honesty and trust and respect that doesn't happen overnight. And for that reason, I rarely, I rarely recommend 360 degree reports purely because I've seen way too many then end up being a popularity competition for the head coach if they're in a particular situation or with the others in the environment. So 360 degree reviews, interesting concept. They do have their place. It depends on the organization. The most simple way of doing review is what we call stay, stop, start. Stay, stop, start, or keep doing, stop doing, start doing. Keep doing, stop doing, start doing. Now this can be completed with one-on-one -on -one with staff members, coaches, team management, and players. It can be done collectively in a group. It depends on how much opportunity you've got and how much access you've got to work with the people during the review process. The first question is, what did we do this season that worked? What is it that we did that we're gonna keep doing, that we will need to have it stay in our program? What is it that we did? Our practices, our planning, our thinking, our relationships, our leadership, our environment. What did we do this year that worked that we need to keep? It's, it's working, we know we're getting improvement, we're in an up, upward direction with this. It's getting better all the time. What do we need to do that we will keep? Part two, 
What do we do this year that didn't work? What do we know held us back? What just wasn't working? What are the things that we have to stop? What are the things that we know as coaches, as athletes, managers, staff, as leaders, what do we know that we've been doing that we're going, man, that's just not working. It's wasting time. We're throwing way too much time and energy and resources at this and it's not delivering us the response. Let's get rid of it. Let's just took it out of the program. Let's stop doing it. And the third aspect to that is what are some new ideas? What are some innovations? What's some creative thought that we can start to kick around that we can implement to help us get better? And that typically grows into coaches, staff or management or players doing their end of season exploration, their learning, their professional development journeys to other sports, to other nations, to other clubs overseas and spend time learning in the off season. And it's a very simple way of looking at reviews, but very powerful and very effective for all of you working, regardless at the level that you're coaching at. Looking honestly, introspectively, looking with detail. What do we do day to day? What did we do this season that we know worked? What did we do this season that didn't work? What do we know we've got to remove from our program and just stop doing? And thirdly, what are some ideas that we can implement that will help us improve and learn and grow and get better for next season? Regardless of the way you do a review, colleagues, it needs to be systematic. One of the things that happens around sporting clubs of all levels is the rumour mill, innuendo, and people expressing what they believe needs to be done. And that can grow out of feedback from the media, from their own sports experiences, their own coaching from many areas. You know, typically what will happen if the club, for example, has had a bad season, there will be no shortage of people in public, on social media, in the general media saying, you know what we need to do? And sometimes those people become influential on decision makers like head coaches, CEOs and board members. And all of a sudden, instead of it being a review, it becomes a preview of what somebody else believes should be happening from their own experience, from anecdote, from emotion. That becomes quite a challenge when you're doing a methodical, systematic, process-driven review, trying to look at everything in isolation and in combination to see how you can find a winning edge when you're dealing with emotion, when you're dealing with feelings, when you're dealing with anecdote, where you're dealing with storytelling, where you're dealing with political power plays, that can blind you to what's really happening. I've talked about when's the best time to do a review. Ideally in season, well ideally, to do it day by day after everything you do, constantly looking for ways to improve and get better. But if not, if you can't do it in season, then as soon as possible after the end of the season. There's a, a quite a brilliant concept around how people change the narrative of their life based on emotion, based on other factors, based on time period, based on a range of factors. And what I've learned, colleagues, is that if you leave the end of season review 
for too long. So for example, it's very common for people to finish the season, have a break and come back a month later and then say, well, what did we do in season? Unless you're taking meticulous notes and unless you're somebody that records what you're doing in great detail, including issues of emotion and relationships, that one month where you've become relaxed, you've been removed from the environment, it may provide a level of clarity. However, by not understanding, by not remaining connected with the emotion, with the feeling, with the relationships, with the way things worked under pressure in competition, you may miss some of the most important things. You may miss some of the most important qualities. Now, I'll give you an example of that very much. Is When I was working with a professional football team, at the end of the season, they did their review of their systems. So they went through and they looked at their systems and they said, every Monday we do this, every Tuesday we do that, every Wednesday they do that. And when they actually reviewed their systems, in their view, things were going great. That what they were doing, what they'd scheduled to do, what was in their diary, what was in the program to do, they believe couldn't be improved. Yet I'd attended training, I'd been involved in that environment several times. And when I spoke, I said, guys, I saw what you did. And I'm going to talk to you about not what you did or what you planned to do, but the way that you did it. Not so much about the gym session, but how the athletes engaged or didn't engage and how they completed the gym work. And this is critical, colleagues. If you get blindsided and only look at the clearly visible, if you only look at what can be seen, can be measured, can be observed, can be counted, if you only look at the what things, you'll often miss the really important ones, which are the invisible things, the things that can't easily be seen, relationships, attitude, commitment, resilience, perseverance, level of hard work. You don't get to see those things. And not only that, quite often people, when they're given a list of things to do, a process, a set of practices, they'll tick them off saying, yes, I did it without a note on how they completed it. And that can make all the difference. That can make a huge difference in the outcome. I was working with a successful professional football team a few years ago, and they won their premiership. They won the title in this particular year. The next year, halfway through the season, they were struggling. They weren't as competitive as the year before when they'd won. And the coach invited me to do a review and to come down and have a look mid-season. And the message coming from the staff and from the coaches was they were doing exactly what they'd done the year before. I want you to think about that one word, what. They were doing exactly what they were doing in the previous year. But then when I spoke to some of the staff, particularly those in sports medicine, when I spoke to them, they all reported that the way that the players were doing things this year was different to last year. So they were doing the same things, the same exercises, maybe going to the same massage sessions, or they were ticking the box to say, I'm doing the same, following the same stretching routine. But the observation 
of the way that the athletes were doing what they were doing, they said was different to last year. I asked them to explain that. And they said, well, last year, because we were trying to win, there was an urgency and a desperation to do everything right, to do everything to the fullest extent of their ability and to be highly detailed and disciplined. The observation, and I remember very clearly a discussion with a young physiotherapist who said, Wayne, this year they're doing the same things, but there isn't the urgency and desperation that there was last year. And it was just like uh, alarm bells going off, colleagues. It was saying very clearly that if all you do in a review process is look at your checklists and your programs and what you were doing, you miss the critical element of understanding and trying to measure and then improve the how things are done. The final thought on reviews is this. It's tempting, particularly when you've had a bad year, where you've had a year where you haven't achieved the results that you were hoping to achieve, where you've had disappointment and performed below expectations. It's very tempting to throw out a thousand ideas and try to do them all at once. And that is a strategy which is doomed to fail for several reasons. First of all, chances are you're already doing many, many things that are working. You're already doing a whole bunch of things that are quite good and that would have come out in your keep doing, stop doing, start doing or your stay, stop and start review practices. There's a lot of things you do which are quite good even if you're coming last. Not everything is not working. There's always some things that are happening in your program that do work and are working. It's not necessary to throw out everything. And there will be some fundamental elements of culture that you need to retain. Secondly, if you roll out many ideas at once, you have no way of knowing what works and what doesn't work. You might roll out seven ideas in the gym. Two of them might work, two of them won't work, three of them actually stop some of the ideas from working because of some element around fatigue or neuromuscular conditioning or some other technical element. And if you introduce too many ideas too soon into your program, regardless of how great those ideas might be, it's a strategy that is doomed to fail. So when you've gone through your review process, when you've done a 360 review, when you've looked at what worked and what didn't work, when you've done professional development and continuous improvement, and you come back armed with some innovation that's going to change things for the better, be very systematic, very methodical, very deliberate, and very strategic in the way you roll out those ideas. And I'll give you a very, very concrete example. I was working with another professional team who decided that what their players needed to do was a lot more running, that they'd done some sports science in the off-season and come up with some research. They talked to other sports and other clubs and they decided that the players needed to do a lot more running. And they threw that idea into the mix. At the same time, people who were in their strength conditioning area decided that what the players needed to do was be a lot stronger in their lower back and they started to introduce a lot more strength and conditioning exercises around the Olympic lifting. The club at the same time did not 
increase recovery services. There was no more focus or no more resourcing of sports medicine, physiotherapy, massage, or recovery personnel. So they've introduced a heavy loading for running, a heavy loading of Olympic lifting, and not surprisingly, because they didn't support that with an increased focus on injury prevention, injury management, and recovery, the off-season and pre-season injury rate of avoidable injuries, soft tissue injuries, went up very high, and they had a compromised start to their season. The reason I throw that in, colleagues, is there is so many ideas out there. Ideas are not the problem. It's your ability to systematically, strategically, deliberately, methodically implement those ideas in a way which will enhance the performance of the athletes, the coaches, the staff, and the team overall. Just throwing 62 ideas out there that you got from Premier League, from NFL, from the NBA, and throwing it all into the mix without a logical, systematic, strategic rollout is a recipe for disaster. So in conclusion, reviews are something I've done for 25 years. I have enjoyed them. I've learned a lot from them. I don't like doing end of season reviews because I think you miss the emotion of the moment and you miss the important how-tos. You've missed seeing the interaction between people in the environment under the stresses and pressures of competition. In a perfect world, my real belief about reviews is they're unnecessary. As much as I enjoy doing them and as profitable as they can be, in a really perfect world, colleagues, it should be unnecessary to do reviews because you live a lifestyle committed to continuous improvement, honest self-reflection, and are constantly seeking to get better at everything you do every day, where you're working in an environment of trust and openness, transparency and honesty with everyone in your environment, and where you can comfortably talk with each other about getting better, improving, change, learning and growth every day. If you adopt that mindset and if that's the culture of your team, the painful review processes that so many of you have had experience with are completely unnecessary. This has been Wayne Goldsmith for Sports Thoughts. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com.